Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. Happy Family Friday, and we are nearing the end of July, my down month of vacation and doctor school, and I've got another couple tidbits to share momentarily. First, of course, generally speaking, though, hey, hopeful, welcome to For the Hope's listener-supported daily audio Bible and family, where we read through every word of God's revelation of himself and consider our own life and work stories in light of that including an invitation to you today. Would you pray with me about how this ministry evolves? I believe the next step is that For the Hope uh, evolves into a family of podcasts, and that would mean breaking this one up into parts and adding one. And not only that, but there would be an additional specific effort in terms of outreach. And I'm not going to go into details here because I'm still just kind of praying through it, but I could use your prayer for discernment. In our New Testament segment yesterday, we heard Paul implicitly appeal to the church to grow in unity, and I might say unity and diversity, based on a union already given in Christ, a beautiful image of Trinity that is both and, both individual uniqueness and giftedness, and community that is edified when we are unified in our heavenly identities. And with that, we pick up in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 17. Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord, you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts. They became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. But that is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of the truth. Therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and don't give the devil an opportunity. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that so that it gives grace to those who hear. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by Him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, 
just as God also forgave you in Christ. My friends, that gets us up through chapter 4. Kind of split that into two chunks. And I just want to spend just a moment meditating on one little piece of what we what we just heard there. Clearly, we have moved into a section in the book of Ephesians where, where Paul has evolved from from instruction to to um, ethics, or put another way, from here's what to know to here's what to do. But here's a little something that is easy to overlook there. Don't give the devil an opportunity. Build people up so that it gives grace to those who hear. My friends, I think it's easy to think of sin as all that stuff. Sexual immorality and murder and theft or anger. But at the core here is a heart level posture that comes out in how we build up or tear down with our words. And I think it's even possible, my friends, to 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 be discerning and to call out falsehood, but to do so in a manner that is moving toward or inviting toward reconciliation as opposed to tearing down. And we hear and see, and sometimes we do, a lot of stuff that is is functionally about those idiots over there who said that really stupid thing. And I think when we do that, we give the devil an opportunity. All right, that wasn't planned, but it just came out. Moving into our Old Testament segment today. Yesterday we heard a conversation between God and Moses that took place at the location of the tent of meeting. And today kind of finishes up that segment. And I want to just actually share with you an extended little chunk here from the New Bible Commentary because I think it's really useful because what you're going to hear today is is a completion of this process of covenant renewal. This is what the New Bible Commentary says about what we just read, kind of leading up to where we're going. First, Moses sought reassurance that God, in spite of his early comment, earlier comments to the contrary, would indeed go with the people on their journey into the promised land. Behind this request is the fear that if God did not go up with the people, Moses would no longer be able to meet with him face to face. And while God promised that, quote-unquote, my presence will go with you, singular, Moses persisted with his plea that this promise should include the rest of the people. God finally agreed to this because he was pleased with Moses. My friends, that is a type of Christ, right? God didn't just save Jesus and raise, rose him, raised, he didn't just raise Jesus from the dead, easy for me to say, right? He intercedes on behalf of all of us. 
Moses then, that's my little interjection, continuing with the commentary. Moses then asked to see God's glory. From God's response, it is clear that he equates his glory with, quote unquote, all my goodness. To assure Moses of his identity, God would proclaim his personal name, the Lord. When God had previously revealed his name to Moses, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, because of his subsequent experiences, he displayed a greater confidence, although Moses was granted the opportunity to see God as no one else ever had. Even he could not look upon the divine face with immunity. I remember yesterday I commented about how how literally direct contact with God's goodness would kill us. Why? Because God can have no impurity about him or he wouldn't be perfect just why we need a mediator but i say that just because it's it's amazing that this is who god is but who he wants us to be he wants to be with you and me he doesn't say get your life cleaned up so that you can be near me he says i'm making the way so we're picking up in the book of Exodus, and this is starting in chapter 34. The Lord said to Moses, Cut two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Be prepared by morning. Come up Mount Sinai in the morning and stand before me on the mountaintop. No one may come up with you, In fact, no one should be seen anywhere on the mountain. Even the flocks and herds are not to graze in front of that mountain. Moses cut two stone tablets like the first one. He got up early in the morning and taking the two stone tablets in his hand, he climbed Mount Sinai just as the Lord had commanded him. The Lord came down in a cloud, stood with him there, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. The Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequences of the father's iniquity on the children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. Moses immediately knelt low on the ground and worshiped. And then he said, My Lord, if I have indeed found favor with you, my Lord, please go with us, even though this is a stiff-necked people. Forgive our iniquity and our sin, and accept us as your own possession. And the Lord responded, Look, I am making a covenant. In the presence of all your people, I will perform wonders they have never seen, that have never been done in the whole earth or in any nation. All the people you live among will see the Lord's work, for what I am doing with you is awe-inspiring. Observe what I commanded you today. I am going to drive out before you the Amorites, Canaanites, Hethites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, Gigabites, and Megabites. Be careful not to make yes, I just did that. Be careful not to make a treaty with the inhabitants of the land that you are going to enter, otherwise they will become a snare among you. Instead, you must tear down their altars, smash their sacred pillars, and chop down their Asherah poles. Because the Lord is jealous for his reputation, you are never to bow down to another god. He 
is a jealous God. Do not make a treaty with the inhabitants of the land, or else they, or else when they prostitute themselves with their gods and sacrifice to their gods, they will invite you, and you will eat their sacrifices. Then you will take some of their daughters as brides for your sons. Their daughters will prostitute themselves with their gods and cause your sons to prostitute themselves with their gods. Do not make cast images of gods for yourselves. Observe the festival of unleavened bread. You are to eat unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Abib, as I commanded you, for you came out of Egypt in the month of Abib. The firstborn male of every womb belongs to me, including all your male livestock, the firstborn of the cattle and sheep. You may redeem the firstborn of a donkey with a sheep, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. You must redeem all the firstborn of your sons. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. You are to labor six days, but you must rest on the seventh day. You must even rest during plowing and harvesting times. My friends, I'm going to say that again. That gets in our work business right here. You are to labor six days, but you must rest on the seventh day. You must even rest during plowing and harvesting times. It's a question of trust, my friends. Trust. Observe the festival of weeks with the first fruits of the wheat harvest and the festival of ingathering at the turn of the agricultural year. Three times a year, all your males are to appear before the Lord God, the God of Israel, for I will drive out nations before you and enlarge your territory. No one will covet your land when you go up three times a year to appear before the Lord your God. Do not present the blood for my sacrifice with anything leavened. The sacrifice of the Passover festival must not remain until morning. Bring the best first fruits of your land to the house of the Lord your God. You must not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. And the Lord also said to Moses, Write down these words, for I have made a covenant with you and with Israel based on these words. Moses was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights, He did not eat food or drink water. He wrote the Ten Commandments, the words of the covenant, on the tablets. As Moses descended from Mount Sinai, with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands as he descended the mountain, he did not realize that the skin of his face shone as a result of his speaking with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, the skin of his face shone. They were afraid to come near him. But Moses called out to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community returned to him, and Moses spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near, and he commanded them to do everything the Lord had told him on Mount Sinai. When Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever Moses went before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. After he came out, he would tell the Israelites what he, had been, what he had been commanded, and the Israelites would see that Moses' face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went to speak with the Lord. That's chapter 34. Now, chapter 35 takes a new turn in the book. And from here 
through the end of Exodus is really about the construction and direction of the of the tabernacle. And starting today and part of tomorrow is about preparation for the building of the tabernacle. So notice what the response is here, right? God blesses us, wants to bless us. And generally speaking, we don't want to be blessed on his terms. But when we turn to him and follow, our heart response is to bring orderliness and stewardship and sense to the world. Now, some of this is going to be weird because we're going to be talking about building a building 3,000, 4,000 years ago. You know what I mean? So sit tight with me. This is here for a reason. We can't explain it all, but I'm going to kind of fly through it so we get through on through on time because the first thing we do here is sit and read. But it's just a little bit of context. Would you pray with me that God would help us make sense of his His perfect rational order based on how he presents or preserved this for us here. Moses assembled the entire Israelite community and said to them, These are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days work is to be done, but on the seventh day you are to have a holy day, a Sabbath day of complete rest to the Lord. Anyone who does work on it must be executed. Do not light a fire in any of your homes on the Sabbath day. Then Moses said to the entire Israelite community, This is what the Lord commanded. Take up an offering among you for the Lord. Let everyone whose heart is willing bring this as the Lord's offering. Gold, silver, bronze, purple, scarlet, and a blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, fine linen and goat hair, ram skins dyed red and fine leather, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil or for the fragrant incense, and onyx with gemstones to mount on the ephod and breastpiece. Let all the skilled artisans, let all the skilled business people among you come and make everything that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tent and covering, its clasps and supports, its crossbars, its pillars and bases, the ark with its poles, the mercy seat and the curtain for the screen, the table with its poles, all its utensils and the bread of the presence, the lampstand for light with its utensils and lamps as well as the oil for the light, the altar of incense with its poles, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, the entryway screen for the entrance to the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offering with its bronze gate, its poles and all its utensils, the basin with its stand, the hangings of the courtyard and its posts and bases, and the screen for the gate of the courtyard, the tent pegs for the tabernacle and the tent pegs for the courtyard, along with their ropes and the specifically woven garments for ministering in the sanctuary, the holy garments for priest the priest Aaron, and the garments for his sons to serve as priests. Then the entire Israelite community left Moses' presence. Everyone whose heart was moved and whose spirit prompted him, I'm going to say this again, everyone whose heart was moved and whose spirit prompted him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its services, and for the holy garments. Both Men and women came, all who had willing hearts, brought brooches and earrings and 
rings, necklaces, and all kinds of gold jewelry, everyone who presented a presentation offering of gold to the Lord, everyone who possessed blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, fine linen or goat hair, ram skins dyed red or fine leather brought them, everyone making an offering of silver or bronze brought it as a contribution to the Lord, everyone who possessed acacia wood useful for any task in the work brought it, everyone, uh, every skilled woman spun yarn with her hands and brought it purple blue and scarlet yarn and fine linen and all the women whose hearts were moved spun the goat hair by virtue of their skill the leaders brought onyx and gemstones to mount on the ephod and breastpiece as well as the spice and oil for the light for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense so the israelites brought a free will offering to the lord all the men and women whose hearts prompted them to bring something for all the work that the lord through moses had commanded to be done My friends, my prayer for us, my prayer for us is that, one, we would learn from the repetition of lengthy passages that happen in some of these Old Testament books, which that was very much a characteristic of Near Eastern literature in general. But such repetition was not considered like stylistically inferior far from it when detailed accounts are recorded in the imperative the account of their execution is frequently given in the same terms and and those who are familiar with this from a scholarly level which is just not me speak about the not only the nature of what this meant to them the israelites as community but it served as a reminder in a predominantly oral culture. My friends, we need to be reminded, particularly in this context of recognizing that now and in the next few days, we're going to hear about Moses being able to carry out the directions which he had previously received concerning the construction of the tabernacle and the appointment of the priests. And all of this as a corporate act of worship and obedience. I I pray, Lord, that our hearts would overflow like that. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.